0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated.
1: So um, I suggested that we talk tonight about compassion to James, and James said, wow, that's a big topic. And it is It is. uh, So we'll just touch into a little bit. It's many things. It's uh, a whole way of being in the world, a deep and profound wise understanding. It's a uh, strategy for meeting pain. And there are other strategies. (laughs) Um, It's a way to connect. And if you've had the experience of interbeing, of interdependence, um, compassion is a way to uh, become more in alignment with who we actually are, which is, which is an, uh, uh, like an interbeing with, with all. Compassion it puts us in alignment with that truth. So I thought a nice way to invoke it here uh, at the beginning of this talk um, would be to share Buddhist teacher Sylvia Borstein's, one of her most famous self-compassion uh, series of phrases, those four phrases that she cultivated over time. And I wanna share them because I think they're wonderful, but also because I, I think that in these four phrases that she cultivated, uh, we see some of the main aspects of compassion. Um.
2: So it, is this, when she notices pain in her own system, she says, sweetheart, you are in pain. Relax. Take a breath. Let's pay attention to what's happening. Then we'll figure out what to do. Sweetheart, you're in pain. Relax. Take a breath. Let's pay attention to what's happening. Then we'll figure out what to do. In those
1: phrases, I hear loving awareness, mindfulness, acknowledging what's happening in the present moment. There's loving kindness, sweetheart. There's empathy, uh, the, 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 the caring, uh, acknowledgement, and reverberation with what's happening. And there's responsiveness.
2: Take a breath. We'll figure out what to do.
1: So mindfulness, loving kindness, empathy. Responsiveness; these are all aspects of compassion. Mindfulness, because compassion is an energy that is present with. Um, it's it's what the ancient Sri Lankans. Uh, the I love the ancient Sri Lankans' definition of the word. Sati, the Pali word that we translate as mindfulness, there, the way they defined it was non-abandoning. Now, be, choosing to be with. So with when we're talking about mindfulness, generally we're we're non we're non abandoning the present moment. We're being with the present moment. When we're talking about specifically about compassion, We're non-abandoning the suffering moments, the stress, the distress. It's a
2: being with. The the loving
1: kindness, which is this energy of goodwill, benevolence, friendliness. Hmm. Warmth, emotional warmth.
2: This is also a very major aspect of compassion. A uh, Burmese monk said, when the sunshine
1: of loving kindness meets the rain of suffering, the rainbow of compassion is born. Mm. Loving kindness is friendly, warm energy,
2: choosing to bring it to the difficult moments.
1: And I'll say more about empathy and responsiveness in a few moments. But just thinking about these, the mindfulness and the loving kindness as they meet pain. So we are, compassion is a natural human energy. One of the things I love about the Buddhist teachings is that we're not reinventing the wheel. We're starting with things that are already here in our, on our palate of human possibility and experience. Compassion happens all over the place and in small, medium, and large ways all the time in our own lives and in the lives of uh, not only other humans, but other animals and nature, it's all over the place. Um, What the Buddha is doing though, in his teaching is holding up particular energies and saying, these, these energies are Wholesome, they lead us to deep peace and well being and ultimately to freedom. And so we can get to know them. We can deepen our understanding of them and our appreciation of them. They don't have to be something we just think, you know, once in a while we see like a a, um, documentary on, you know, um, Cesar Chavez and we think, wow, compassion's cool. And then six months go by, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Can be like something that we we savor, and as a sangha we deepen in, and then we deliberately cultivate it, and then we notice the fruits of that now part of the fruit that the Buddha taught about with this energy of compassion, as I said, is our own well-being, our own deepening sense of peace and freedom. Another aspect of compassion that's really
2: amazing to me, really
1: magical to me, is that it is an energy that connects, as I mentioned earlier.
2: The Buddha taught that
1: all, all of us wish to be happy. We all wish to be safe. We all wish to be held in respect.
2: And then the other thing that we all have, and again, not only us humans,
1: we all deal with what the Buddha called dukkha pain and suffering, also just dissatisfaction and challenge and loss and the hard stuff.
2: when we come
1: out of our sense of separate self about our own pain and we realize that we're each carrying our sliver, however heavy it is, of this universal experience, when we realize our common humanity with suffering,
2: then, and we respond to it with kindness,
1: then we are Connecting with this deeper truth of yeah, this is how it is here,
2: and the wise response is kindness.
1: I my wife and I live in a very small cohousing community, and three years ago we had a loss, a, a death in our community that um was really shocking and really painful. We live in Berkeley, which is one of the most liberal cities in the United States in the world, I would say. And yet we live between two households because of their cultural and religious beliefs. Um, we don't interact with much because they have homophobia. So we're on a street and we live between two houses of homophobia. When we had this death, the compassion of one of our neighbors, brought that family over to us and brought them to the memorial. a few weeks, which was really beautiful, then a few weeks or months after that, their dog, they have a big German shepherd, was uh, crying all the time in their yard. So I screwed up my courage and went over there and said, could I start walking your dog each morning with my dog? Because I think it'll cheer him up. And they said, yes. So my partner and I have been walking their dog every morning. And now we, they, they, they brought us Valentine's flowers and we <laughs> talked to the, my wife is giving them advice for their daughters about where to go to college. And we're having really sweet interactions with that entire family after 10 years of like, radio silence. Their compassion towards us and our compassion towards them created this magic
2: of connection.
1: And compassion can do that. And again, I think it's because it puts us in alignment with the truth, which is that we really much more are, we, are, we're, we're, we share so much. More than we tend to acknowledge. And we definitely share pain and challenge.
2: This idea of common humanity and
1: in, in compassion is also really, um, really helpful uh, when, as I mentioned, when we are uh, in our own kind of pain, we have conditioning cultural conditioning, societal conditioning
2: um, to really
1: feel like we can belong when we're thriving. There's so much in our society that teaches us that. And then there's so much in our society that says there's something wrong or we've done something wrong when when the hard times come. And that's a toxic myth, it's not the truth. But well, we can swim upstream against that by just reminding ourselves that we're not alone. There's a beautiful um, compassion practice that many of you know in the Tibetan tradition called Tang Len. Tang Len means to give and receive. Where when we're suffering or in pain, we deliberately think about all the other beings that are suffering a similar kind of pain or stress. And we, with every outbreath, we send them wishes for any kind of healing that we would want, whatever that would be, any kind of relief from physical pain or relief from relational pain or, or financial pain or whatever the challenge is that we're having. We imagine all the other beings having it send them love, and then on the in-breath, and this can take courage depending on our conditioning, we breathe in their pain and take it into ourselves, and what's so fascinating about this practice is that we're, we're kind of breaking down the isolation, we're connecting to all these other beings, and we're actually, with the breathing in of their pain, we're actually empowering ourselves like I care about
2: you. When
1: the AIDS crisis was at its apex in the 80s and early 90s, um, there were a lot of people dying from AIDS at the Zen Hospice Center in San Francisco. And somebody, although it's a Tibetan practice, somebody introduced Len to dying people there. And people who were really, having emotionally painful
2: dying time, we're brought
1: so much peace from this compassion practice because of the connection and because of the, um, just the alignment that comes from, from caring, from allowing ourselves to express our caring, heart. coming out of isolation
2: and separation. Finally, I want to say that compassion is the strategy for dealing with pain. And we can use our logical minds
1: and look at our various strategies for dealing with pain and see how compassion measures up. What are some other strategies that I've used in my life? Denial, minimization numbing with food or TV, overworking, and biggies, uh, not just for me, but for all of us, can be uh, blame and self-blame, rage
2: and hate. These are all strategies for dealing with pain. When we just think logically about How do these work for us? How do they work?
1: They don't work well. Compassion doesn't make pain go away. Pain is part of the deal here. So first of all, we need to accept that pain is part of the deal here. And it has the capacity to bring us into a place of warmth of gentleness, a releasing of cruelty and harshness into a place of patience, love and warmth. The Dalai Lama once said, if you want to know what compassion is, look into the eyes of a mother as she cradles her sick and fevered child. She's not necessarily going to make the fever
2: go away. And yet she will cradle that child. these strategies that we
1: have to try to deal with pain are what the Buddha called the second arrow. There's the inevitability of pain. That's the first arrow. And we, we can learn that it is not only not necessary, but actually very aggravating to pain
2: to send in these other reactive responses.
1: So practicing compassion is similar to practicing with loving kindness. We can radiate compassion from our hearts. When we come to a little crossroads in daily life where we can choose to act compassionately or not, we can deliberately choose compassion, begin to habituate it more, and we can work with phrases. The traditional phrases are um, things like, may you be free from pain and sorrow. I care about this pain and sorrow. May you or I hold this pain with compassion. There's this, there's the Sylvia Borstein ones that I shared with you at the beginning of this talk. And ultimately, it's not really about the language. We find language that works for us. It's about finding a way in to practicing deepening and widening this natural human capacity so that we can have it available to us as we go through life on life's terms.
2: So um, I think I will turn it over to James.
0: Thanks, Eve. <clears throat> Just a, some comments that come to my mind. Right now we're in the in the Awakening Joy course where we happen to be on the ninth step. We're doing compassion, so it's, I've been talking about it a bunch the last couple of days. and um, something that that i find interesting is that um compassion is called one of the four sublime states the the heart practices the brahma viharas are called the sublime states and suffering is a prerequisite to have a sublime state isn't that interesting The definition of compassion, the quivering of the heart in response to suffering. So when there's loving kindness and it turns towards suffering, then compassion is the natural feeling that's evoked. Suffering is not sublime, but we naturally care. There is a capacity to care that's so, so deep in us, we didn't have to be wired up for compassion. You know, it could have been a very different, you know, very different uh, being of of this human experience. Uh, A lot of animal realm, uh, compassion just isn't, isn't so prevalent mammals it it is but we didn't have to be wired up to care but when we see somebody hurting it's so natural to let your heart be touched unless it's blocked and there's a big uh, price to to block that i was just sharing in in the uh, we can enjoy course about this study uh, that really uh, struck me. They had these. It was a study for uh, with toddlers, fourteen to eighteen month toddlers, and the way that uh, they set up the study, there is an adult who's hanging laundry on a clothesline, right, and the adult drops a clothespin accidentally, as part of the study, with a with one of these with a toddler nearby, and the adult can't let go and is looking at the clothespin, and almost every child goes, even if it's interrupting their play or their they they're doing something else. If they see it, most every child toddler goes and gets the clothespin and brings it to the adult. Isn't that amazing? We're wired up that way, <clears throat> just like we're wired up to to be moved with a, when we see a, a, a movie and we're rooting for the hero or the heroine the protagonist. Uh, or reading a book and where if they're in trouble, which is usually almost every plot, there's the the challenge and the, uh, the, the hardship, and we're rooting. It's so easy to get lost in a movie or lost in a book, lost in a story, because we're wired up that way. And when we can feel it, when we let ourselves feel it, then we want to respond as well, as Thich Nhat Hanh says. Compassion is a verb. We we want to, mm, yeah, respond to um, to what's happening. We can have some kind of relief when we can we can express our caring. In a loving way, although the other thing to keep in mind is that um, that caring needs to be held with equanimity. That's the other side of compassion, or the way to to really have it fully be expressed. Otherwise, your heart just breaks, and You find yourself numbing out because it's too much. You just don't have enough any more juice to care. But if you can keep that heart open, which lets you still feel alive, but not feel that it's up to you to take away. The suffering when you can't. Uh, this is the this is the real challenge. That
2: just our presence
0: can be a healing, and often is a much greater pre- healing than fretting about somebody's pain and and getting distraught by it. As I often say, you know, if you're having a hard time and somebody um comes by who really cares about you and says oh this is so terrible oh this this hurts me so what can we do this is tearing me apart how does that feel then you got to take care of them you would do it having a hard enough time on your own now it's like oh they're really having a hard time now that's not so helpful but if somebody is there and just letting you know i'm here for you uh, it must be so hard i just want you to know i'm here for you and not trying to take away your pain then there's a healing energy that comes just from that there are studies that that have been done that if you if somebody's going through physical pain or emotional pain and if there's somebody else they can just hold their hand the threshold of tolerance and of, of pain is much greater because there's somebody else helping you hold your compassion, you know, hold your pain, I should say, with their compassion. So when you can respond, great. But even if you can't do something to improve the situation just your caring makes a huge difference just your caring presence makes a huge difference and this is where equanimity is so powerful to find a a centeredness a balance that says this is hard and this is the way things are and i'm sure Most all of you know that serenity prayer that expresses this so clearly. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. So this is that serenity to accept the things I can't change. That's another way of saying equanimity. Okay. This is the way things are, and let me just feel that care that I have for others, and that's a healing right there. So, I think that's about all I have to say. You might have some song or... Oh, yeah. We, you know, oh, we can open it up. Yeah, let's do it. that.
1: We have. I I want to just sing uh, some sending you light, but let's do some Q and A first or some small groups.
0: So, anybody have a comment, observation, question? Either, um, either live here or online. And if it's if you're online, if you raise your hand on the reactions box is that understand nice uh ah, here's here's someone yes and i can hardly see kyle ah yeah. kyle from the retreat <laughs> all right can you uh let's see if we can hold on a second let's make sure we get you now will we be able to hear yes all right Kyle it's yours Hi, good to see you again. Um, yeah, I had a question about uh, self-compassion, I guess. So um, I'm curious if can you love yourself, or can you give yourself too much compassion? And I know there's a difference between, and I'm not because there's coddling, right? Um, which, but I think it, which is fear. But um, I'm curious on your thoughts. Um, can you give yourself too much? Let me hear first what your your thoughts are on it. Well, I mean, in my experience, it seems to be uh, self-compassion and self-love is a doorway to equanimity, is a doorway to uh, conscious awareness, I guess. Um, But I guess I've been told um, that, you know, there is, uh, that you can get, kind of get stuck in it. Um, but through my own experience, it seems to bring me back to the present moment. Um, so I'm just curious. Yeah. What your thoughts are. Um, uh, my, I mean, my experience has been, um, very positive. It's just, um, I guess I'm trying to dissect different points of view um, through the lens of Buddhism. Um,
2: I can, you want
1: to go first?
0: Go ahead, why don't you okay. want to something?
1: Else? Um, thank you for that question. Um, it's really important in terms of self-compassion. Uh, my understanding is that we have a lot of conditioning that makes self-compassion, uh, gives us trepidation um so there's a lot of belief that we need uh i mean what would be the opposite like if we weren't holding ourselves in self-love and self-compassion then what are we doing are we you know maybe there's a neutrality which i guess is fine um the issue is when we are employing the inner critic um and there's a lot of belief in Western culture and in other cultures too that we will be unmotivated and lazy if we don't uh, beat ourselves up a bit. And that that's not the only thing. There's other there are other misgivings. There's quite a few misgivings culturally about about self compassion in, in particular. And um, so they can include fear of being selfish or narcissistic um uh what else and that fear of motivation that i mentioned is really that having a lot of self pity um a lot of concerns that stop people from even going to self-compassion um and the buddhist teaching is that one who truly loves themselves will never harm another and and the research the neuroscience is 100 percent in that court hundred percent in the court of when we're holding ourselves in sincere healthy self-love which doesn't mean self-indulgence that's a different thing Um, when we're holding ourselves in sincere healthy self-love we're motivated we care we show up, it has all the it improves well-being markers um on every level, physiological, relational, emotional, mental. So um so part of what we're doing when we're when we're studying these ideas is we are unhooking from beliefs that 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 no longer serve us. And I think that's why I think these inquiries are so important. Like what actually does work, like you were saying, your your experience has been. Well, it actually brings me more equanimity, you know. <laughs> and, and our direct—that's the Buddha said. Find out for yourself, you know. So that's my thoughts about that.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll add some thoughts as well. Um, it, this is this is a question actually that I used to have. And uh, my wife, who was, has been trained in self-compassion, uh, my wife Jane and Eve used to teach self-compassion uh, cl- courses together. Uh, and it's something that I, I used, uh, that I brought up with Kristen Neff, because there's a part of me, and I'm big on being, on holding yourself with kindness and care when you need it. Um, And there is a part of me, particularly the activist part, that says there's got to be courage in there as well to live a full life. And if the if under the guise of self-compassion we play it safe, or where, like you said, coddling, that was that was a word that you're not able to stretch yourself because you want to be so so kind, so maybe unskillfully kind that you that you don't stretch yourself, that there can be that aspect as well. So as Eve was saying about um, wise self-love, wise self-love has courage in it as well. Wise self-love has um, has strength in it and knows what's needed right now. What does the system need? Do I need to uh, lighten up or? It might be that I need to be willing little by little, skillfully, to face the demons inside with support. And there's, I'm sure you know about the the window of tolerance. You don't want to go beyond it and activate trauma, but you don't want to be numbing out in the name of compassion that doesn't help you grow because if you're in the game to grow you're going to be uh, moving out of your comfort zone and by definition if you move out of your comfort zone it's going to be uncomfortable so you've got to be willing to be a bit uncomfortable and stretch yourself too Um, so i i really appreciate where you're coming from, and just to see the genuine self-compassion, this genuine self-love is not namby-pamby, and as a matter of fact, then Kristen Neff in recent years came out with fierce compassion, because it was maybe a little bit too on un- misunderstood on that other side, and you can be a mama bear and be compassionate, uh, or what... Um, Trungpa Rinpoche said, used to say, don't get caught in idiot compassion. And fierce compassion is sometimes what's called for. So that's, that's up to you to keep on checking in with what's really serving you and being honest with uh, what you need to have the system in balance and also have the courage to, to keep on growing.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for that question.
0: Anybody here? I see there's one other question uh, up there. I see, is it Nathan? Yeah, but anybody have anything? I hear Nathan. Okay, it's Nathan um hi you. evening james evening eve it's so wonderful to see the inside of the uh the monastery again <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice um my question is about drawing compassion out in when faced in difficult situations um say i'm with a loved one um it's often easier much more natural and, and easy to bring compassion when i'm working with that person to in like times when they're maybe showing sadness or fear, but when I sense things of like anger, especially anger directed towards me, it's it gets quite a bit more contracted. And I was just wondering if you had thoughts of like how advice about how to bring compassion into those moments when it's not nearly as natural and I'm becoming a little bit more defensive and reading into uh, what's happening and, and the interchange in, between people yeah a really good question, especially in these times when we're called on to somehow get beyond the other and see if there can be a an understanding of what's going on in that that other mind. Um, i' I'll, I'll say something and maybe yeah. so um first it's it's absolutely essential to have a sense of safety in order to be able to give compassion you know if you're feeling threatened it's really hard to have the heart open and care when there's when protection is the is the most important thing so having healthy boundaries is really important and you can have compassion from afar, like uh, Jack Cornfield has a has an image. If you're sending loving kindness to a difficult person, or wanting to feel compassion for for someone, you might, in your mind, put them behind a, a five foot concrete wall, and then send them compassion. Um, because if they're right there with you, the, the system is too dysregulated. And for me, the 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 doorway to having compassion for someone who is hurting others or feels threatening um, is if I can just imagine what it's like. This is in one's better moments when you feel safe enough. Imagine what it's like to be in that person's head, which is probably filled with anger, fear, insecurity, um, disconnection, especially if they're hurtful. You know, I imagine what, instead of how could they act that way, my mind changes the inflection and says, oh, how can somebody act that way? What would make somebody be that way? And I might imagine them as a as a child who was once innocent and loving, except for the conditioning that they went through or whatever their genetics. And so to, to really understand compassion, I think, comes from an understanding of the causes and conditions or an imagining of the causes and conditions that would make somebody do hurtful things. This is one of my my main practices these days. Every day when I read the news, I go through, oh, what a pained mind that must be to be hurtful. Yeah, okay. Uh, so it's a practice
1: mm-hmm. uh, i I really appreciated everything you said, James. um I guess just to pick up where James just left off saying that it's a practice, um we start where we are, we practice compassion where it's available, and then, like all these other practices it it expands we we that's why like the categories of beings um, start wherever for ever for all these different um, uh, brahma vaharas all these different sublime states they all have categories of being and we always start where it's easiest and um, so and that you know and then in real life of course we do have the difficult people and uh, having compassion for ourselves about you know there are some people for whom it's it gets too scary to actually like do compassionate action or it's too hard for me right now. And I'm gonna continue to practice and to continue to open my heart as best I can. And I have here, if I can just quickly find it, a little poem um,
2: from Lucinda Williams'
1: father. Lucinda Williams is a singer, famous singer songwriter and her father Miller Williams is a poet and he's, and she actually put this to a song, but this is the poem. Have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. What seems conceit, bad manners or cynicism is always a sign of things no ears have heard, no eyes have seen. You do not know what wars are going on down where the spirit meets the bone. So what James was mentioning about causes and considering causes and conditions and having compassion for that, even when maybe the in the moment presentation is a little hard to connect with. But
0: mm-hmm. so you, you just reminded me of a, another poem that I read this week. I love this. And then we'll probably have to do a song. Mm-hmm. And this is called Unfinished Hurt by Daniel Bell. Oh, I love this one. As you move through this world, you will bump against people who have unfinished hurt. Unfinished hurt may look like shame, anger, silence, formative happiness. Despite best efforts, the holder of the hurt will eventually let it slip out. Don't shun those with unfinished hurt. Make space. Listen to their stories. Share whatever excess love you have to spare. But it is imperative to know that the conclusion is ultimately solo work, that you yourself will never be able to finish someone else's unfinished hurt. So, James, I'm sorry, we, we don't have time to get to you. Uh, it's good to see you there, though. And uh, Eve has a, a song in closing. Oh, and just want to say also, uh, as far as being here in the monastery, so we'll have another uh, day uh, in June. I think it's June 22nd. And then we're going to start to, if there is the support, uh, come regularly uh, to the monastery when Eve et- or I are in town. Uh, so we'll have a whole we'll have it on the calendar, the Insight Berkeley calendar. So it's so good to see you here and so good to see yeah, you. Thank you.
1: So this is a song by Oakland singer-songwriter Melanie DeMore. We're just doing the chorus. It's uh, I'm Sending You Light. And um so what we wanna do with our phrase practice, if we choose to practice compassion as a phrase practice, which can be very powerful, is fine language that works for us. And it's also 100% fine to sing our phrases. So, um, so these, this is a potential compassion practice, just singing this. So as we sing, it can be um, really nice to, to visualize the being you're sending it to. You can bring to mind someone that you care about and know that they carry their measure of sorrow. If you are struggling right now, very wise to send compassion inward toward ourselves. So you can send it right into your own system, too, or, or out to the many beings who need compassion. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I am sending you light to heal you to hold you. I am sending you light to hold you love. I am sending you love to heal. Me. I am sending you light to hold you in love. I am sending you love to heal you to hold you. I am sending you by to hold you in love. I am sending you to heal you, to hold you. I am sending you light to hold you in love. I am sending you love to heal you, to hold you. I am sending you to hold you in
2: the-
1: Dedicate the merit. You want to dedicate the merit? You want to? Oh, sure. Um, I, we don't have time to sing it, but we can
2: just. Say it. Well,
0: so our coming here together is such a blessing and may we appreciate the goodness that we create here together and share it with all beings. May all know deep compassion in their hearts and share it with the world and may all come to